It's the Dear Black Folks Podcast with your host, Earl Markham. And LaToya brought us, a.k.a. the real bald head truth. LaToya, what's cracking with you today, baby? Hey, what's going on, Biggie? You know, um, I'm really excited about this podcast today because it is the second half of what we had yesterday. And Part two. Part two. It was yesterday was so like I, I, it was one of them situations where I got off of the podcast and I, I, I felt like I was drained. I felt like I, I needed a glass of wine and I was able to sleep, just sleep. Like I had, I, my emotion was drained. When we said that we were going to do the show about the child molestation, um, I honestly, like I, the first person I thought about was my cousin, Kiko. I'm like, let's, let's get him on the show. And um, then I say, after I asked Kiko to be on the show, I put up a post on Facebook and I said, um, and we said, let's put up, <laughs> let's, uh, let's ask people, you know, just in Facebook world, like, where do you guys want to talk about it? Because like I said, when um when we're on motorcycle clubs and we're in the room with all our girls, <laughs> we uh I when I'm in a room with my girls, I always say, you know, have you have you guys um experienced child molestation? Because I know it is like every out of five women, three women have experienced child molestation. It's and it's really big in the black community. And it just gets swept community. under the rug. It just gets swept under the rug. Yeah. And it's generally like, so once I put it on Facebook, um, my friend reached out to me and she said that I have one a perfect person to come on to your show. She said, we've just been talking about this, whatever. So I reached out and, you know, I talked to everybody. And when I tell you, if you listen to this show that we are putting on today and are not, and you're not affected man or woman, you are not human because these guys are like phenomenal for just sharing their story. So, um, I want to introduce them. I'm going to, first up, first we have my cousin Kiko and I'm so happy to have, because, you know, I watch Kiko grow up and it's like, I, I remember when his mom was pregnant with him and I watched him grow into and develop into a man through Facebook. And um it's oh, it just, like y'all that too much too many years apart. You acting like you old enough to be his mama. How old are you, Kiko? I'll be 36 in April. Oh yeah, you old. Okay. <laughs> yeah, I'm I'm older than it's not a bit. You're I'm old almost, I'm like I'm like I'm like 30-ish. Okay, yeah, but <laughs> if you don't stop lying, if you don't stop lying, right, exactly. But I do because you know what? I'm gonna tell you, I used to take pride in the fact that I knew your whole name, like your first that your middle. I used to be like, Yeah, don't know, but can't nobody um, pronounce that, you know, because when your mom named Judy, everybody was like she named yeah. that boy all them names. No. <laughs> yes. So anyway, then, um, like I said, one of my friends, she was like, you had to talk to us. So I met Dennis. So yesterday I called Dennis and I was talking to him. And y'all, when I tell y'all this dude is like just phenomenal. Just his story is just like. Hey, hold on. Before you go further, 
when Toya talked to Dennis, she was like, E, she called me, she said, E, we might have to do Dennis by himself. And I was like, well, nah, let's just do, because we got so many, we, we both put it on our on our Facebook pages to say what we were doing our show about and asking for people. And we got such a good response. You know, the whole point of me creating this podcast was it was for us as black people. And we got so much learning to do with each other. Yes. And I think you all story is going to help. It's going to be people that's not going to be receptive to it because they're just closed minded. But there's going to be a lot of other people. That's but that's the re- that's the, that is that's going to be receptive and, and, and it's going to help them. Go ahead, Toya. It, it, that's and that's why it's it's like a lot of the reason why it doesn't be it's not told in the in the black community and in the family because um people they want they're not they don't want to hear it they don't want to accept it they don't want to accept that that it could be going on in their in their family especially with somebody they know and I when I was talking to Dennis yesterday he said um, a key thing the closer it is to you the harder it is to tell and that is so true because I, like I said yesterday in yesterday's podcast, I sit here and I am a victim and I have someone in my family that's very close to me. And I can't, I just can't say it out of my mouth. And I don't know. But anyway, let's get into it. So first and foremost, I wanted to, uh, when I, t- I told my cousin, I said, send me a bio, a, a bio. this mug. Send me a novel, okay? Listen, <laughs> listen, man, that was something I had laying on my computer, you know. So oh, child, this motherfucker know. is like his bio is like when he was three, he broke a lamp, and um, <laughs> <laughs> so, um, but it's, let me say this like, pick. right? His is so he is first of all, I'm gonna skim through, okay? I should have went through, I read it the first time, and I was like, hey, I didn't know all of this, you know, but um. My cousin, he is from uh, Anderson County, South Carolina, right? He would be from Anderson County. And uh, he uh, attended and graduated from Westside High School. And he um, then went to Morehouse College. Hey. Yes. And um, he uh, went to, he got his Bachelor of Arts degree in English. And then upon a click completing his bachelor's degree at Morehouse, he began to work on his first master's degree in secondary education with the University of Phoenix. So fast forward, like you do work with like special education kids and everything because I've seen them give your accolades on there. And uh, right now, where is it that you're teaching? You're teaching now, right? So currently I am uh, the director of special education um, for K-8 charter school here in D.C. Um, okay. I, I oversee the whole special education program, um, mm-hmm. making sure the kids get what they need, uh, the services that they need, the teachers are coached, and uh, all of that good stuff. Good, okay. good. Okay. Well, hold on. Before you, before you hold go up. on. Hold Dennis, up. Dennis, hold Dennis, up. Dennis. Hold up. I see you reacting a certain way. What? People, y'all can't see it, but when he started talking, I when, can't when, see when, you. When Kiki started talking him. about what he was doing, I see Dennis reacting in the in the emotional way. What what you feeling, Dennis, by hearing that? Okay, it obviously so, touched you in a certain way. Okay, so I am a student of 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 oh God, I've been hearing y'all so please forgive me, but I am a student of special ed people. 
So that's dear to me because yeah, be, yeah. I tried with all my heart. So it's so dear to me. And when they say that you were the teacher, oh my God, that's that's my story. Yeah, that that is part of it. We're gonna bring I want to talk about that too, because he had told uh, Dennis shared with me yesterday that he had that's part that is a big part of his story because he was just let, let him tell it though. Yeah. Okay. So, but wait a minute. Let's go, Kiko. Let's yeah. start you off. Let's tell us a little bit about your about what happened to you and what brought you here. Yeah, man. So, um, so just picking up in Anderson, where I was born and raised, um, I was a the son of a single mother, um, single mother who had we had an amazing village um, who assisted my mom with giving me a great life. Um, my family's pretty well off, affluent or what have you, but there is a void in every boy's life, every child's life, whether you have a dad, you do. Well, I'm sorry, if you don't have a dad, you know exactly what this feels like, mm-hmm. um, especially for a black boy not to belong anywhere. Um, I come from a family of athletes. Um, I didn't play sports. Um, I was always in my books. Um, I graduated high school a year early because of this. So growing up, knowing you're different, um, but just not knowing why or where you actually fit in in society. Like you, you, you realize this at a very early age and you begin to search and seek out things or what have you. So church became that outlet for me. Um, at this particular time in my life, I was relatively estranged from my family. I didn't feel like anybody really understood me or got me or whatnot. So, um, I started going to church with my mom, um, and uh, we started attending this church in South Carolina. Uh, the name of the church was Holly Creek, um, and uh, we were invited by a friend of our family. Um, my family had a quartet. Our family had a quartet gospel singing group um, growing up, and uh, we worked with this guy and his family for a very long time. So there was an automatic trust there when we started attending the church. And what made things even crazier was that my mom had a crush on this nigga. Like my mom had a crush on this nigga. Um, so he started coming around. They went on one date. Uh, things didn't work out, and he became more drawn to me. Um, so I'm this little 11, 12 year old black boy, no dad. He and his friends, um, they kind of took me under their wing, so to speak. Um, they began, I say, they began grooming me and nurturing me, or what have you. Um, we started with us staying on the phone at three and four o'clock in the morning. Mind you, I'm in this like seventh grade, like sixth or seventh grade. This nigga's 31 years old. I'm 11, 12 years old at the time. Um, we talking, the conversations get more intense. They get deeper or what have you. And, um, he's cutting my hair. So he picks me up one day from school to take me to his brother's house, um, to cut my hair. Um, he started while he's cutting my hair, of course, his hands start moving or whatnot, and um, he kisses me. Um, he kisses me. Um, I go with it. Like, this is, I go with it. And, and, and let me preface that by saying, at this point, I knew I was attracted to guys. I knew I was attracted to guys. And for the longest, it took me, it took me a very long time to take, to, to understand the concept of molestation, because I knew I was gay at a very early age. Um, how old, by how old did you realize you were? Man, I think my like I've, I've I think my earliest attraction I realized was to to boys or what have you. So I would say like maybe four, five years old. Was like wow. yeah, like I knew, like I I knew, like I I knew, like I knew that this was 
I knew, yeah. Uh, and then I grew up around all women. So I was an effeminate kid. Like I, I imitated what I saw around me. Like, so it all just felt natural or whatnot. And, um, so I knew I was gay or what have you. And for a long, for the long, for the longest, I blamed myself because I knew that I was gay or what have you. Um, but back to the story, um, he cut my hair on this particular day. That was the first time. This was in February, I want to say like maybe 98 or what have you. And that led to a year long, what I call a relationship. Um, where he would come and pick me up in the middle of the night. We would go to the woods and mess around. We went to the, he would, did I, did I say he was the minister of music at the church, correct? Wow. He was the minister of music at the church. That goddamn church, that. church, that goddamn church, that. man. He was the minister of music in the church. That um, damn church. And this went on for, we, my aunt walked in on us, and don't even ask me how I remember this, the day before it would have been exactly one year that, he had been molesting me. Um, you were how old again? I was 12. 12, okay. I was 12 years old. Um, but we were, he would come and pick me up in the middle of the night. He would buy me underwear. Um, like I went to summer camp during this time. He would come and pick me up from summer camp. One time I remember so vividly, he came to pick me up for a doctor's appointment because keep in mind, my parents hadn't trusted him to me. Like they trusted him or what have you. Um, he came to pick me up. We went to his bedridden godfather, grandfather's house at the time. Um, and we messed around there. His grandfather in the next room, couldn't really hear him, couldn't get out of the bed or to see exactly what was going on, but we were there messing around or what have you. And there were times we were in the church. Um, people came to the church. We had to hide in the church because we had been messing around or what have you. Wow. Yeah. But for me, this was the first time in my life that I felt like I belonged and somebody actually saw me. Um, somebody saw me. Um, so this all felt normal to me in that, in that moment. And little did I know this would go on to form how I love, how I engage relationships, how I view myself. Um, and even as a 35 year old man, like it still shows up. I'm, I'm still in therapy for this. Um, like I, there's still a lot of trauma that I don't think I'll ever resolve because of this. Um, so I think I'm just at a place now where I'm just trying to live with it and deal with it and cope with it the best way that I can. Did you but, ever, did you ever confront him about what he did to you? So, um, my aunt Marlo came in and caught us. Uh, she walked in on us. Like I said, the day before it would have been a year. Well, she um, caught it, you, where, where were you all at? A church or so we were actually at my mom's home and like i said my my aunt was talking to him about him before she had commissioned him to sing at her wedding and all of this so they were talking about these things that day so I, he picked me up from school um i was i had founded a gospel choir at my high school or whatever and we had choir rehearsals so he picked me up from school we came home and my aunt was staying with us at the time or whatnot. So she was there. They were talking about her wedding, the songs that he wanted her to, she wanted him to sing or whatnot. And uh, she ended up leaving to go to her mom's house or whatnot. And when she left, of course, we started messing around. She forgot something at the house. So she came back. And when she came back, we heard the door open. We started scrambling, trying to put on our clothes. But it was too late at that point. Um, mm. She saw us putting on our clothes. And she spazzed. The first thing that she did was she went to her car and got her gun. 
And I don't know why, but my grandmother just so happened to pull up at the same time she was getting her gun out of the car. Um, my grandmother came in the house. She begged and pleaded with him to tell the truth. He denied it. He was like, I don't know what she thinks she saw, but please just believe me, yada, yada, yada. So he left. Um, next day, my grandma, well, my family, they reached out to the authorities to see what our recourse was. Um, so long story short, we did go to court. Um, but at, keep in mind, at this time, I'm in the ninth grade. I'm in high school now. Um, everybody knows. Nobody wants to be friends with this little gay boy. Um, nobody wants to be friends with this little gay boy um, who's been molested and kicked out of the church because they asked me to stop coming to the church. Mm. After, Did they ask him to stop coming? He still, as of today, he is still in his position as minister of music in the church. Wow. No, he ain't. Blame the victim. I, oh my God. Still in his position as minister of music in the church. And, like I said, yes, I see you, bro. You ready? I, we we gonna get to you, but I see you. Right, we gonna get. <laughs> and I think yeah. one of the things that has kept me grounded, um, at a very early age, God told me that this pain, man, is not for you. This is for somebody else. I just need you to go through this so you can share your story and heal somebody else. And that is the one thing that I think has kept me sane for the last twenty three years. Just knowing that my story is going to liberate somebody. Mm -hmm. My story is going to give somebody else hope. Um, and that was one of the things that kept me grounded, but we went to court and I allowed him to accept a plea deal because I was just so, I was tormented. I was getting phone, threatening phone calls to my house. So, I mean, did you, did you have like, at that point, you said you felt like you were in a relationship. So yeah, did you feel yeah, like, yeah. did you feel like when you were going through the court case, did you feel like, you know, like you had to protect him oh, or man. so we so the weekend after it happened, we went to our cousin's house. Um, like the family was there or what have you. They got they I, I got drunk. I got I got my hands on some absolute vodka, some kind of way. Like I remember this so vividly. Took like six shots. Um, I got drunk. I made them call him. Like I made like I cried and cried and cried and begged and begged and begged till they called him. So they called him, he was at his best friend's house. Um, he was at his best friend's house and he got on the phone and I began like just telling them the truth. They're not going to do anything. And I just, my, me being naive at 12 years old, not knowing what was really going to happen next. So I'm begging him like, you'll just tell the truth. He's like, I don't know what you're talking about. Why are you doing this to me? Like, I can't believe you're doing this to me. Like, and I'm losing it. Like this nigga is supposed to be, he told me he loved me. Like he told me he loved me. How, how old was he? 31. Wow. 31 years old. Um, like he told me he loved me. Um, like all of this. Like, I really thought that this was gonna be like something. Like at this time, I felt safe. I didn't have anybody, like I couldn't go to my family, like I ain't had nobody to talk to. And then so because you you already was having the, you know, you already knew at an early age you was gay, and you like me. <laughs> He kind of took advantage of that, and oh, yeah. like he thought, okay, I got somebody I can, I'm comfort, I'm comfortable with, and another man. He's older, he understands me. He, he really manipulated, manipulating you. Absolutely, absolutely. And, and, and the reason why I want to say this is because it's important to understand because <laughs> we're gonna get a lot of people that's gonna be, oh, he was, he, he, he. of course, yeah, yeah, yeah. Hold, yeah. hold on, before I want to say this, I want to let you guys know. <laughs> I don't mean this in no disrespectful way, but everybody is not going to be open 
Yeah, but, I struggled with that for so long, man. I, 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 I've struggled with that concept for so long, man. Um, even with me being 12 years old and knowing that I was gay, this nigga was 31 years old. Right. right. So I wouldn't care if you was okay with being gay and he was okay with being gay. You were, that's just, I don't care if it was different sex or whatever. 31 and 12 years old, that shit is wrong in any book by any means. So it doesn't matter. I don't give a shit. So what, what happened with the case? Like what happened? So let me back up before we get to the case. So he had three best friends. So the total of four of them. They also had a, a quartet group. So all of our families knew each other just from the gospel singing circuit. So they were all supposed to be like my big brothers or what have you. Like they were supposed to be my mentors or whatnot. So it was just one, that was, it was on several, it just happened over the course of several different cases. So one time specifically, I remember um, I got in trouble at school. Um, my grandmother called them to let them know that I got in trouble. I was like in the eighth grade, seventh or eighth grade or something like that. Um, mm-hmm. So after church, one day they took me back to one of the guys' house um, for getting in trouble. This is my punishment. They made me lean over the toilet seat while they sprayed my ass with 409 uh, cleaner, uh, Windex, all kind of shit, and then stuck a plunger up my ass. The men did that or the women? The men. No, wow. the men, the guys that supposed to have been his mentors. That were in the quartet singing group, the gospel they singing group. The church that were men, they were also ministers. They all went to the same church that I was going. Oh. They all went to the same church. Um, and then it was one night after choir rehearsal. I had did something. My grandmother called them. They they put on a late one of them put on a latex glove, uh, like put some Vaseline on and stuck his finger up my ass in the church after. After choir rehearsal, keep in mind. So all, so all of them were messing with you. All of these guys in this group was messing with you. So, and I mean, me, like I didn't like. I never knew what it was to have a dad. Like, and that's something that even at thirty-five, I still don't know for sure who my biological father is. That's something at thirty-five that I still long for. So them knowing that, I definitely feel like they played off that. Um, that was that was a way. That was an easy way to reel me in. Or whatnot, but to your point, Toya, um, we got to court, and I was just so tired, man. I was so tired of of being teased. I'm not having any friends. Um, I'm not being accepted. So I allowed him to accept a plea deal. Um, at that time, he got ten years probation, suspended to five years. He did not have to register as a sex offender. No time. And yeah, and that was what was his position in the church. He was the minister of music. Of music. music. And so, and he doesn't, so he can be around other kids because he doesn't have to register as a sex offender. Still be molesting people right now. Yes. Yes, 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 yes. Okay, um, well, look, we, 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 we want to come back to you, Kiko. Absolutely. Let's get to Dennis, and then we're going to go back and forth. But Dennis, oh I, I, I see, I see Kiko's story is, is, is touching you because you got the tissue out. And everything. Let, let me, let me, um, let, let, let me, let me let you guys know who Dennis is. Um, Dennis is a 44 year old man who is a father of three beautiful children. He, um, has worked, uh, at IBM for 24 years. He is a choir director at uh, church of God in Christ for 20 years. And um, he is 
ready to tell the story and um he helps that his story will heal someone dennis let me let let's let's get into you like tell us tell us your story what is your story can you hear me yeah i can hear you mm-hmm. okay Copy. i don't know where it started oh my god and what's his name again the first guy kiko mm-hmm Kiko, oh my gosh, your story is so much like my story. But at the same time, I don't know where to start at, but I'm going to start. Hopefully, this will bring awareness to your, your audience. So, me at five years old, not knowing nothing. At five years old, you learning your ABCs, trying to navigate life so at five years old i hear my father saying say your abcs when he began to say say your abcs i see my sister serving him when i see the when i see her face i'm like why are you looking like you're done with this world. I don't know what's going taking place, but my father is saying, say your ABCs. So fast forward, I'm dys- I'm dyslexia. So when he say, say your ABCs, I can't say that my ABCs. I say like A, B, C is the S, and the S is the C. 24 years. I worked I, I have managed to get by because I have three kids. So I have to get by. But at the same time, is I've been molested by my brothers. Not one, but two. And I'm like, so I was in Flint, Michigan for birth, birth to 13, 12. My sister wrote a play. And she said, Dennis, I want you to come and I want you to be a part of my play. I'm a singer, but I'm not the best singer. I go, she look at me and she see the pain inside of my eyes. She said, I want you to stay. I go back home, my mother say, because as a cogent child, you gotta ask your, your pastor. I asked my pastor, he didn't say nothing. But my thing is that I know my father is a demon I'm leaving this house. I'm leaving Flint, Michigan. Where we, regardless of who say what, I'm leaving because I've been through hell. So I leave. So get to Texas. We're sitting on our bed, and I, and and I'm just going through the quick emotion because we're on the podcast. So I get to Michigan. 
And I tell my sister, I said, I've been through hell. I've been molested by my by our brothers. And I don't, I don't know how to cope through life because I've been through this. She look at me. My for you, I tell you, my father was a demon. She look at me and say, I've been molested by your father for all these years. So, so your brother, your brothers were molesting you, and your father was molesting her. That part. Wow. And, but, and but, I but hold on, uh, Dennis. So from our conversation prior, which was more striking, because now you told us that your father was molesting your sister. Let us let the audience know how your father reacted when you told him your brothers was was molesting you. Okay, so I told him, I told her, I said, one night I woke up and my and my brother, my oldest brother. Okay, so my father had guy. I had to get the story straight. Straight. My father had to my knowledge, 14 kids, 14. I'm the youngest of 14 kids of my mother and my father. So one night when I was 13, I woke up and my, and, and my brother was giving me was sucking my dick. I'm just being real. Mm-hmm. He was sucking my dick. And and I couldn't take it because I see, I, I hear the alcohol and everything. I couldn't take it. I push him off and I run to my mother is in the den because at this time, I never knew struggle. My, my parents was a middle-class family. So we had a, a, a den. So I run to my mother and say, hey, mm-hmm. Your old son is doing this to me. She wake up. I run to my father. Every time my brother said something, he said, I want to kill my father. I didn't know at the time why he said he wanted to kill my father. I didn't know at the time. I didn't know at the time why he said he wanted to kill my father. But he took advantage of me. So my, my mother is in the den sleep. I, I wake her up and say, I'm sick of this. My brother is, is, is molesting me every night and I'm sick of this. So I run to my mother. She wake up. I run to my father, Paul's, who he said he wanted to kill. I wake him up. You don't understand. My father, he's a man's man. So he's well, he's strong. And he can he can knock anybody out. So I go to him, he wake up. And if you know my if you know my house, my house is a circle. The den, the living room, no, the den the dining room, the living room, the kitchen. It's a 
Can you hear me? Yeah, you kind of chopping. Can you hear me? Yeah, we can hear you. Can y'all hear me? Can you hear me? It's, it's messing up. Choppy. I don't want to go on until you hear me because this is true. Can you hear me? Yeah, I can hear you. I can hear you now. Okay. So. Dennis, are you like in the basement? By the way. Yeah, your audio is messing up really bad. Are you like in the basement? No, I'm on because at this house. Uh, oh, no, I'm 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 in an apartment. I'm in Dallas, uptown, in an apartment. <laughs> Can anybody hear? Oh, it's hey. so bad. It sounds really bad. Maybe if you take your glasses off, we can hear you better. No. <laughs> this is good. I'm gonna stop until y'all hear me. Okay, can <laughs> say it, talk again. Can you can anybody hear me? Okay, we can hear you now. Okay, everybody can that can hear me say amen. We can hear you. <laughs> we can hear you. It's as long as the one person can hear you. Come on. No, I want everybody to hear me because everybody can hear you. Right. As long as it's getting recorded. Come yeah. on with it. I, I, I'm, 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 I'm recording, so I can hear you right now. Right. Okay. So go ahead. So when I left off at, because Tawana, you didn't. You woke I mean, up. Tawana. You woke up the. You woke up your dad, and we, you were telling us what happened when okay. you told your dad. Yeah. Okay. So I went to tell my parents. He beat my oldest spot, my oldest brother, between my mother and my father up. And he kicked him out. So he beat him and hit him out. Now, so I'm in this big church that's known, that's 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 popular. No one see me. No one see the the I don't know how to say it. What's inside of me? So I never directed in Flint, Michigan. But when I came to Texas, everybody saw the gift in me. Everybody saw that I was a well-known choir director. Pause for the cause. My mentor was Orlando Draper. Oh, wow. Orlando Draper died that the world know no cause. But if you're a church person, you know Orlando Draper, mm -hmm. that he was the number one choir director. Mm -hmm. Oh, no, Drake was number one. I ain't one. never heard of him, so I'm just. No, I, I, I saw Kiko knew like when you said his name. Right. Knew, but I so, know, who the hell is that? You know. So yeah. So you said that you were you were um at your with your sister. So you told your sister what happened, and she turned around and about, said about um your my brother, brother. Um, molesting so, you. So Latoya, she turned around and said. My father been molesting me from beginning. The same guy, the same guy that beat my brother up and kicked him out. So molesting I'm like, was molesting his own daughter. So I'm like, I'm like, fuck, what you just say? She said, because I already knew he was the devil. I know how, I didn't know his story and I know 
what entails. But she say, my father molested me. I can't remember when I was younger, three and two, that he did not molest me. Wow. But yet he beat your brother's ass for molesting you, but he was molesting his own daughter. That part, E, that part, E, that part, that part, that part, that part. So you, so so, you, I'm sorry. I'm going to tell y'all, look, I'm watching these brothers because I know we on the podcast and it's audio and you don't have the visual. And at some point we're going to, post the video on YouTube. But each one of these brothers, and I call them brothers. Thank each you. One of them, Thank as you. they speak, you should see how it's affecting the other person. Yeah, the, the emotion. The emotions. As, as one speaks, the other one is, each, each one of them that's speaking, the other one is, is wiping his tears because it's, yeah. it's hitting the nerve with, with them as what they went through. This is this is some real shit, y'all, that we need e, to discuss e, more in the black community. E, Go ahead, Dennis. E, can I, hold up, hold up. To, um, Latoya, say my profile. Say what I sent to you, and I'm going to go on. Um, that you were married and that you have um, three Dennis, beautiful children. Dennis got so many layers to his story. Um, and um, so we're gonna go. We're gonna go to that. We're gonna go okay. back. So we're gonna go back and forth. So Dennis, you gave us the the the, the foundation. I want to go back to Kiko, and we're gonna go back and forth. Kiko, okay, go ahead. So, were you having to deal with being molested by somebody from the church? How did that play out? Because the you know in the black community, the church is the is 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 it. You know what I mean? Man. That's it. The black church and and you know and we we gonna sweep everything under the rug. Yeah. How was it for you to be a young kid being molested by somebody in the church? I'm sure they probably didn't believe you or they by or, several or, people in the church. Yeah. It was it was several people in the church. Really. So how did that how did that play out for you and how did you deal with it? Because I'm sure either they didn't believe you or they wanted to sweep it all under the rug. So, man, they asked me to stop coming to the church um, after everything came out. Um, so you as a child, not to cut you off, you as a child told everybody, I'm being molested by these people. Instead of them, the adults attacking yeah. the, uh, the grown-ass men who was doing this to you, they told you not to come to the church no more. Absolutely. So my mom and my grandmother and myself, we went to the pastor's house like maybe a week after everything came out. Um, my mom and my grandmother went in the house. I stayed in the car because, I, of course, I was embarrassed or what have you. Um, they talked. Um, passing the first lady, escorted my walked my mom, and my grandmother back to the car, and they basically told me that um, we think it will be best uh, for you not to return to the church until this. Mm. Wow. Mm. Mm. Um, I'm grateful that I knew the difference between God and church. Um, at a very early age, I, I, and I don't think I ever got mad at God. I was just so dis, disgusted with the church. Um, and in all of that, I was called a priest. So at 12 years old, I was also called a priest. So I told you guys, 
that God told me that this pain that I was going through wasn't for me, that this was going to be my story or what have you. So at 12 years old, I was called to preach. At 31, I finally accepted my calling to preach. I am also a licensed and ordained minister. However, I still have, I still struggle with organized religion because of the things that I went through. Um, I love God. And I'm like I said, I'm grateful that I'm able to distinguish between the church and God because they are not one and the same. They're not the same entity. Um, so I, and I, I, even now I still go to, go to church. And I think one of the biggest impacts or one of the most, one of the positive impacts that came out of this, this pushed me into special education. This pushed me into wanting to protect kids. Like I see so many kids that look like me, that, that, that are growing up like me, that have stories, that don't have a space, that don't have anybody to see them. Um, that's why I take the work that I do. I take it personally, man. Like this isn't, this isn't my job. This is a calling. Like God put me here in these spaces for a reason. So these kids could see and hear and, and, and connect with somebody that looks like them, that has a similar story to them, man. So I still go to church. I, I still, you know, um, listen to gospel music. I still, I still. I, Let me ask you guys something, not to cut you off, Kiko. I'm good. Now, Kiko, you you say you still go to church, Dennis. You say you are, if I'm not mistaken, you a choir director now. No, I'm not a corporate now. That was that was that was eleven years ago. Okay, so when you were a choir director, okay, so you were a choir director eleven years ago, Kiko. You still in the church? Let me ask you all this: being that you gay men. And you know that the, the, in Christianity, they preach against homosexuality. Mm -hmm. How was it, how could you continue to be faithful to something that you, that, that in church every Sunday, they preaching against? How, how, how did you cope with that? And how did that register to you? How, how did you feel like if, if they preaching against that, but you still, still being faithful to that? I... I took a sabbatical after the after the case or what have you. Um, I was in ninth grade at that time. I I don't think I went back to church for like five or six years. Um, and it was in that time that I became familiar with the capacity of the concept of relationship versus religion. I never felt like I was out of relationship with God. Like I never felt like God didn't see me. I never felt like He didn't hear my prayers. Like I felt Him throughout all of it. But I couldn't go back to church because of the things that I had experienced in the church or what have you. I was like, I was hurt. Like I was hurt. I I graduated high school a year early just to get away from my town. Like I skipped the 11th grade, graduated early. I went to college and I just started to wild out. Like, so over that time, I felt as though I, begot, I began to get to know more about God, who he is outside of. Christianity, um, because I think Christianity is really going to send a lot of people to hell. Um, but I got to know him. I got to feel his presence. I got to, I got to do a lot of those things that we don't necessarily associate, or we feel as though we have to be in a church to experience, or what have you. So the worship and and just praising and just like I said, just know God. For who he is outside of the outside of what we're told he is but you know what i'm gonna tell you this and i just feel like it is uh to say i wouldn't give a shit what they talk about about the homosexuality um aspect of it how could you go back to church after what happened to you 
yeah. and those leaders telling you not to come back, They're not to, them. not to, not to, you know, they telling you they, they, and this, you, now you 35 years old, 34, 35 years old. And this motherfucker is still at church. Right. But, but, okay, but so I want to hear that. But Dennis, I want to hear your answer. Cause Dennis, you was a choir director. How, how, how could you continue to be the choir director knowing that supposedly these Christian people feel they the way they feel about homosexuality, knowing you was a homosexual? How, 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 did, how did you cope with that? That is a good answer because at the end of the day, like I'm married. I told, told my wife what I endured before her. So she knew she had something over me because how she felt, the church felt. Wow. So hold on. You got, you got so many letters. So, so when you, before you got married, you let your wife know that you had, that you was was gay, right? Been through what I've been through. And because you guys, right? Because you guys was in the church, you all were trying to fight through that, and she was like, "Okay, we we're gonna pray the demons away or whatever, whatever. You gonna be straight or whatever." So she, you so know, I tell because her, your story has so, so many. I tell, go ahead. So, so I tell her, I said, "Listen, sweetie, I don't want you to go to a midnight musical." And you not know me. So let me tell you who I am. And you I told her to what I've been through. A midnight musical. And you're oh, part right. of the church, you know. So 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 I don't want you to go to a midnight musical and know who I am. So I told her who I am, what I've been through. But her as being a big girl. She wanted me because being a big girl, and this is true. Meaning, right a, now, meaning girl, overweight, on, right? Explain when you just overweight big girl, because we ain't. Overweight. You know, some people say, "May big girl mean grown or big girl yeah. mean overweight?" Overweight, girl, right. overweight. Okay. E, e overweight, overweight. overweight. Gotcha. That's, that's, that's mm -hmm. the cause, but the overweight. Mm -hmm. So her being a big girl, she wanted me because. Mm -hmm. If it's not me, it's nobody else. Her being overweight, if it's not me, it's nobody else. So I told her what I've been through. But I told her, I will always be real with you. If I have a desire for a man, I would tell you. But I never did because I wanted the dream life. I wanted the kids. I wanted to be married. I wanted all that. You wanted what, what society said was normal for you as a man. What, what society was normal for me. And this is this is so true. I wanted all this. Because at the end of the day, I knew what she was saying. She was saying what my family was saying. Let's pray the gay away. So if she was saying it and my family was saying it, I'm in the wrong. I'm in the wrong. Regardless of what nobody say, I'm in the wrong. And regardless of anything, even tonight when I had the meeting with my family, I'm in the wrong. I'm in the wrong, regardless of what I've been through. So anyway, so when she said that, I began to open up and tell her what I've been through in life. 
I don't know what I said, but at the end of the day, it was, I have so many stories. One story was, I told my father, so one of my nephews is the same age. He's like two years older than me. But my father, he had other kids than him and my wife. I mean, him and my, my mother. Him, him and my mother. So my nephew come down and he wanted to sleep with me. I tell my father, I don't want to sleep with him because he touched me. I got a beating. Be all because I got it beaten all because I didn't want to sleep with him because I thought I was too much because we are, are a middle-class family and we don't see the struggle. So I tell him I don't want to sleep with him because he touched me. I got to beat him. I got to beat him because I didn't want to, because I tell my father I don't want to touch because I don't want to sleep with him. Okay, you know what? I'm a t- I, when I was talking to you and you said the reason why you held your story is because you had three things that was that you felt that was against you. Right, yeah. What what was those three those things three? that you said? Black, gay, and stupid. Explain that. We we know the black and gay, but explain the stupid. The stupid is I was dyslexia. I was so scared of my father. I didn't know how to navigate through life. I didn't know how to go through A to B because I was so scared of my father. Not knowing he molested your sister. All my sisters but one. Mm. Not knowing that. Not not as as a 13-year-old child, I did not know that. I did not know. So when when y'all had y'all call tonight, because tonight you had a call and you confronted your 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 mother and father about what was going on. Did your other sisters confront too? Did they did they say what had happened to them? Okay, it went left because of me. It went left because of me because I'm telling my truth and my brothers and my father saying, fuck your truth. Fuck what you've been through. It doesn't matter what you've been through. It doesn't matter. And 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 like I told you, Latoya, last year in January, I had a dream about Brian Kobe and his wife and, and his and, and his daughter and what they've been through. And that dream just confirmed to me that I'm living because I have a daughter. We're going to go through the same thing. No one sees me as a father because I'm gay. No one mm. sees me. So, no one sees me. Let's get to that. Hey, we're gonna go. This toy. We're going. We we going over hours. I know. So I expected. I expected short. it too. I know. Because we. Because, I posted um, that I was doing this um, with you guys on my Facebook page, and we already got a lot of uh, people wanting to hear. What yeah, we're going this. over an hour because yeah. let, me, let me tell you. <laughs> And it's not it's it's not to cut the women short, but we always hear about women being molested and all that. Yeah, not to downplay no, it at all. Not to downplay. No one see me because all molestation is bad, no matter what. But we don't get a lot of men that's strong enough to come on and, ex- right. and tell their but story. But but he cannot say something. Can I say something? Mm-hmm. No one see me. No one see when my brother. 
put his penis in me and what that felt. No one sees what I had to deal with through life. No one sees Dennis right. of what I've been through. And we 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 understand. Let me tell you, Dennis, because because some of the women, the women that we dealt with, one of them, her brother molested her. Yeah, I think. I mean, as as a kid that went through this, um, <laughs> and and just in all transparency, like I I would and I've told my mom this before. I was not pleased with my mom's reaction to this. Um, mm. and I, I attribute it to the fact that she didn't know how to deal. She was young um, as well at the time, but that her reaction to this, like it crushed me. And I say that to say like, love on your kids, like love on your kids, create a relationship where they can come and talk to you about anything. Like make sure that they know what's uncomfortable, what feels uncomfortable, what like, you know, you gotta, you gotta engage with your kids in order to, and I mean, even doing that, there's still no guarantee that it won't happen, but at least you have done or tried to open up a line of communication where they feel comfortable enough to come and talk to you. And believe um, them, believe and, them. Yes, and believe them, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, 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 yeah. Um, believe like, them. What happened with me um, the day after, like, and I, I love my mom, uh, I love you, but I got to share this, this part of the story or what have you. But um, the day after um, I was molested or my aunt came in, my grandmother was dropping my mom off at work and uh, my brother was in the car. Me and my brother like eight years apart. So my brother's like maybe four or five at the time. And um, he had just got a new pair of shoes. Shoes fucked up. Like 72 hours, shoes fucked up. I'm like, bro, you just got these shoes. You need new pressure. My mom looked at me in my eyes and told me, he's a boy. He's all boy. He's 100% boy. As if I was less than right. I had been molested. And I went to school that morning and I cried my eyes out in my first period class. Like, I think that that kind of hurt me more than the actual molestation because. I ain't have my mom. Like, I ain't have. I didn't have anybody. I really felt like I could go to in that moment. She so felt first, like she. Did, she you felt like she, on, in a sense, degraded you. Like, yeah. Oh boy, you gay. Yeah. I, I already see it in you. You, yeah. you, 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 you ain't right. Like, but like boys are supposed to be like this. Yeah, right, and you right. are not like that. Wow. And you how you were how old at the time? I was in the ninth grade. We this right. was, we were no. Yeah, I was in the ninth grade. We were about to go to, we was, I think we were getting ready to go. It was about to go to court or what have you. Because let me tell you something, people that's listening and not visual. For you to say that your mom said that and all that, just looking at you on the Zoom call, I would have never thought you was gay. So how did you, but they tell your mama know they they keep. But, but you guys, you got to remember when I, when we started this call, I said that I grew up around women so probably to like maybe the sixth grade i was very effeminate it wasn't until i like got in my later year like high school 10th 12th grade or whatever that i started to shed these effeminate ways and like kind of grow into myself or what have you mm -hmm. um okay. so at that like i was still going through puberty like i was I, you know i'm going oh, you up feel like you was you feel can like I, work can kind I, of effeminate at those can times can i can i when he said ninth grade, when he that really took a lot out of me because in eighth grade, I told him what I was going through. 
And when they, and when I ran to them, what my brother was doing to me, I went to school the next day like nothing happened. I went to school like nothing happened. Like my brother just didn't violate me. They're like so, they didn't even they didn't even seek you any help. They didn't even nothing, nothing, nothing. And tonight, as I after I have to meet with my family, oh, I'm a sinner because I'm gay. I'm a sinner because I'm gay. I'm a sinner because I don't believe what y'all believe. I'm a sinner. Mm. So tonight with my family, I'm going to hell because what happened to me? That's that's so sad. That's so sad. Like that people, it's like families don't really know. Like, you know, when when uh I told yesterday when I was we were on a podcast with the ladies, I told them when my mom took me to like I was molested more than once. And uh, when my mom took me to the police station, yeah, yeah, it it seems like, I don't know. I don't know if I seem weak or something for it to happen to me more than once. You know Uh, what I'm saying? That part, that part, Latoya, it's like, it's like we're weak because I don't, it happened more than once. And I'm like, what the fuck? Because it happened more than once, I'm weak. As a kid, I don't think it's necessarily a matter of being weak. I think it's a matter of, you got to understand these people they do this like they identify things to latch on to um yeah like it's it, it whatever void it is they identify that they latch on to that or what have you and they use it against you like they use it against you like i was i feel as though i was in that situation because i did not have a dad i was product of a single family household or what have you they know i long for that male that male figure in my life and like that's what they that's what they that's what they built on like that's that was their end for me. And I think But they- it's like, you know, you you generally think that people when when they pick cuz they got to pick you. Oh yeah. And yeah. they got to try to mold you. So it's like they pick you cuz it seemed like they would pick you because like you a loner or something like that or you know, like you a different like like when I talked to Dennis yesterday, Dennis was telling me he said that he felt like people, you know, that that he already had showed feminine ways. So it was like basically they was living out their little hidden desires on him because they saw it in him but it's it's like you know but that was with a same-sex relationship so it just it's just i i'd be like what what is it that i did that let them know that they could get away with it with me and i wouldn't tell you know what i'm saying like this is crazy and on the inverse of that, Toya, um, a lot of people don't know this. I, we share a commonality. Um, there was somebody else in our family, a female, um, that molested me as well. Um, wow. Yeah. Um, wow. It, happened once. Um, it happened before I was molested at 12. Um, and, like, I get it. Like, I, I, I get it. And the thing is, like, some people are so lonely like some people, like it's a it's a wide array of shit. Like it's it's a wide array of shit. Like I can't even try to explain it. But my goodness, yeah. we need to have a family reunion <laughs> and yeah. sit around yeah. and yeah. beat somebody's ass. No, yeah, I'm I'm just, you, man. man. I'm yeah. Okay, can I say, let me say something. Seven years old, I confided into into my cousin, and I I let him know that I've been. Molested. 
he say, he looked back at me and he said, wow, his name is, I don't say his don't name. Yeah, don't say his name. Don't say his but, name. But, 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 but it's a, it's, it's a number one Dow movie that okay. I can't get out of my <laughs> okay. head. We get it. Okay. A Dow movie. A Dow. He's a Dow. Right. Anyway. So he going to say, I was too. So at seven years old, we fell in love. Oh wow! This is so true. So years and years. So before I moved to Texas, I say I can't do this no more. I tell him, I said I can't do this no more. I moved to Texas. He called me one day, and he said. Dennis, I can't live without you. I said, well, you my cousin. Wow. I don't want to do this no more. He began to say, I can't do this without you. I'm, 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 I'm going through, my mother don't see me. No one can see me. I take heed because no one see me. His mother didn't see me. His mother didn't see him. And my mother didn't, didn't see me. So, he say, I can't live without you. I say, hold on, you can come visit me. I'm in Texas, you can come visit me. Week later, a week later, I get a phone call from my sister and say, our family didn't kill herself. Mm. He killed himself. He literally, and we were lovers. Y'all were in love. So Dennis, like y'all depended on one another. How did how did you fall in love with your cousin? We fell in love because my brother, his cousin, was molesting us. So we fell in love because we can talk to one another. We can talk to one another. Y'all shared a common bond that nobody else understood. Wow. No one understood. No one understood but me and him. So, Kiko, no you understand that? I can't. Yeah. I can't directly attest to that. Um, however, with I think that, like I said earlier, like my what my affinity to my molester was the fact that he saw me. Like he saw me. Um, he told me he loved me, and the attention that I got from a man I had never received before. Um, I, 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 I share Dennis's, I empathize with Dennis in, in terms of just wanting to protect and, you know, make sure that the abuser, um, nothing happened to them, but, um, yeah, like that's, yeah. So let me, that's ask, deep. You guys, let, yeah. Let, let me ask you guys this, that is. because both of you, you know, say you gay men, do you think that it would have been different if you were straight men? Do you think you would have? said something earlier or confronted earlier okay so so can i talk yeah yeah mm -hmm. go ahead go ahead dennis okay so i tried to put that behind me when i came to texas i said i'm gonna marry a wife i'm gonna have three kids i'm gonna do all that and um latoya didn't t tell everything about my about my about what I've been through, but I'm a father of three kids. 
I've been married. And she came to me one day and said, sex is good, but I don't feel you next to me. I don't feel the passion. So after nine years, the three last years, she cheated on me. I can't, I can't, I, I don't know the guy, but me and my nephew, she had told me one night, she said, because I worked at IBM at, at the time, I was a supervisor at nighttime because I worked for a data center. So I was a supervisor at, at nighttime. So she had told me, me and the kids are going to go to a kid, go to my best friend's house right next door or in the same apartments because we lost our house because I'm so, I was the only one working. So I got, so I said, okay, I got sick one night. So I came home, my shift is over at 6 a.m. I came home at tw 12 a.m. I came home, no one was home. I went to that friend, she said, she was, was going to be over. I went to that friend house. The friend didn't answer the door, but I saw, I heard my kids. My daddy is at the door. I heard, I, I literally heard my kids. My daddy is, as in my daddy, my daddy is at the door. She didn't answer because she knew my, my wife was out hoeing on me. Mm, mm, mm. Okay, so let, she let didn't me she, she didn't answer. She didn't answer. So let me ask you this. My let, wife was out. Let me ask you this, Jen, because your story has so many different layers. And I'm gonna keep it a hundred. Being in Atlanta. Go ahead. So, yeah, I'm gonna keep it a hundred. Being a, I live in Atlanta now, and that is one of the biggest things that a lot of women fear, especially in Atlanta, is being with a down low man. Definitely. So you, but he, she, she was, on, he wasn't down low, though. Will you let me go ahead? Go voice. ahead. Sorry, go, go ahead. ahead. I know from talking to you prior to this podcast, I asked you the question. You knowing that you were gay, you being un, you know upfront with her before you were married, I asked you, in the nine years you all were married, had you ever had a relationship with a man and you said no, right? Correct? And and and, and I felt so bad because no no hold on. You said you no, said no 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 listen, I felt so bad because when I asked you, when I told you no, if you know me, I'm dyslexia. I stuttered when I was younger, I stuttered. And I said to myself, I said. Even when I asked the question to you, I stuttered. And I asked so many people, when you stutter and you don't stutter before, that's a wrong. Right, 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 yeah. But listen what I'm telling you. Listen what I'm telling you. I have never been with a man because I'm honest. To, the, to this day, to this day, I am with a guy. And I told him, I said, I can't be alone because if I be alone, I go on social media and I want to be with somebody because of what I've been through. Mm -hmm. and, 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 and 
I have wronged him. I have wronged him because I went and slept with somebody else. But with her, I never slept with nobody else. But when I knew it was over, it was over. I said, I'm never gonna, I'm never gonna fuck her. I'm never gonna do anything with her because she did me wrong. And the brother that molested me said she's wrong. When you hear the story of my kids, mm-hmm. I was telling my my wife, I said, you need to let me tell the boyfriend that they have a father. Right. Because, because if they don't know that they have a father, they'll take advantage of my daughters. I have two daughters. Okay, so, okay, I know E, and I know um, Latoya. What's that the brother name? Kiko. Kiko. Kiko, I'm your brother. And what I've been through in life, and no one saw me. No one saw me. No one saw what I deal with. No one saw me. And because this platform is for their friend to have nation views, I understand. But no one saw what I've been through. No one saw, even night when I talked to my family, they still didn't see what I've been through. They don't want yes. to see. Yes. Because then yes. that'll put them in a position where they got to deal with some they shit. They got to hold themselves accountable. It, accountable. Yeah. Right. Yes. Yeah. Yes. Yes. My sisters been through what they've been through. But as a, a brother, I'm worse than you. Because your brother molested me, I'm worse than you. Because mm-hmm. I don't understand this. I, I, I don't understand. Yes, you, you raped me. Dennis. I don't understand. And at, at the same time, is hold, hold on, Dennis. Let let Kiko ask your question. What are you like? What are you like? What are you doing for your mental health? Like, have you? Is this something you've gone to therapy or saw the therapist about? Like. I think right after okay. my molestation, my mm-hmm. family didn't force me to go to therapy. So that mm-hmm. shit built up for the next, I didn't start, I didn't see, start seeing a therapist seriously until I was like maybe 27, 28. So 15 years of unresolved trauma I set on that I bled on other people. Like I bled on other people. Like there was like, because I was hurt and I didn't know how to heal or whatnot. Mm-hmm. So I had you, have you like have you gone like have okay, you so can I talk? Can I talk? <laughs> okay, so I've been with my company for 24 years. So I said to myself, I said, I'm gonna go get help. So I wanted with a counselor and a therapist. Two black women. That know I've been with my company, couldn't read, couldn't write for 24 years. And I wouldn't say that I'm at uh, uh, kindergarten, but I'm at the third grade. Yes, because I learned, because you learn when you literally learn when you're my age. So, I told them all I've been through 
and everything. And I told him, I said, it's hard for me because no, no member of my family did say they was wrong. Because I they was didn't account, they didn't be, they didn't accept be, accountability. Because I was happened. gay and I was wrong. In the cogent world, if I'm gay, I'm wrong. They're right and I'm wrong. In the cogent world. I never molested none of my kids. I have two, I have two daughters, Deborah and Destiny. They would tell you. I was a loving father, but in spite of my my family, they felt everybody done wrong. Mm. Because my father had 14 kids. I stopped at 14. He molested all his girls. He molested all his girls, but one. And for me, for Koji to Tell you that my father molested all his trouble. So, so was he? Was your father? Did your did your father ever like? Was he? Did he ever get in trouble for molesting his kids? I mean, he told us tonight, and before my mother met him, he was in prison. And I'm telling this because but molesting because. Because I want my story to be told. Before my mother, he was in prison because he he molested one of his daughters. Mm. And when he met my mother, my mother knew that he molested one of his daughters. So basically, your father was just breeding people that he could molest. Because... No one saw him and no one saw me. My brothers can my brothers can my brothers can come kill me for what I know. But what I know is truth. What I know is truth. It seemed like from talking to you all, and you know, don't take it bad or whatever, but it seems like. Kiko, did you have counseling? Like, we can't hear you, Kiko. Nah, you my milk, Kiko. <laughs> well, hold up. Hold on, hold on, hold on Dennis. Hold on, Dennis. Hold up, E. I didn't have counseling. Right, right, right. Hold on. After that night, after that night, when I told my parents, my my brother molested me, I didn't have counseling. I went to school like it was nothing. And that's that. Right. No one saw me. No one saw what I was dealing with. So Dennis, and, to day, and to this day, I've been off my job in October. I've been with three, three people that's counseling or whatever you want to call them. But no one see what I've been through. No right. one see because I'm a man. Right. I'm done. Talking. No, no, we no, we're gonna get there. Okay. But I, I, I want to. Okay. I'm trying to get somewhere. Kiko, you did you have counseling? Uh, so immediately after um, my molestation, they set up um, through the courts. They tried to get me to go to counseling. I think I went to like maybe one session. Like, <laughs> um, I didn't really get 
heavy into counseling probably i've probably been in counseling consistently probably for like the last nine years or what have you on and off and i can honestly say man that it has definitely helped me so much um when i was in undergrad i was i was partying it was it was you know going out getting partying with my friends or whatnot drugs alcohol or what have you um and after and uh, after I, after the molestation, I also found out that my bio, the guy that I thought was my biological father was not my biological father. So mixing that in with the molestation, like my twenties were fucked up. Yeah, like my twenties were fucked. Like I got DUIs. Like I didn't like I was bleeding on everybody around me or what have you. And I really had to, I really had to to, to, to get everything into focus. Like I had graduated college or what have you still out here fucking up or whatnot um and i had to figure out what the problem was so i went to counseling i'm still in counseling um and it's it's helped me a lot i'm not i'm definitely not where i want to be these issues still show up uh the seeking validation the abandonment the uh not feeling seen feeling like you have to earn or beg for somebody's love or beg in mm. your life or what have you those things mm. still show up like they still show up in my relationship and you know what i'm gonna tell you this you just said that and it's like i've been a counselor for so many years but i i didn't realize you just hit a chord with me yeah like I didn't realize that I can't I, those things. So that is where, cause sometimes like I had to keep on telling myself, I'm not here to convince you to love me. I'm here to allow you to love me. So that my friend comes from a molestation that I experienced. And I never knew that. Yeah. Yeah. But yeah. Dennis, let me ask you, Dennis, right do you think, I mean, he, cause talking to you too, I can clearly see that, you still are in a, are dealing with a lot of pain. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And Kiko seems like he's dealing with it, but he's learned to deal with it better. Yes. Like he's 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 learning tools to deal with it better. You you so while I'm asking you that, because he said he's he's had counseling, he's been having it for a while. Are you open to having counseling to help you deal with the because you could it's obvious difference in the two of you. Okay, so can can y'all hear me? Yeah, yeah, go ahead. Mm -hmm. <laughs> we can okay, so I have been with three counselors because when I tell you I've been with my job for two, for twenty four years, mm. and when I came to them and told them I hate them this no more, I've been through hell and back. I've been through hell and back. And when I began to tell them, they didn't believe me. They said, how can you cope for 24 years? How can you cope? How can you be with IBM for 24 years and not cope? So right now I'm fighting with IBM because what I've been through, I've been through, I've been through hell and back. And mm, no one, mm, mm. no one see me. No one see the hell I've been through because I'm a guy. I, I hear both of y'all say that. I hear both of y'all say no one sees us. Like, what does that phrase mean for y'all when you say that? Like, Kiko, what does that mean for you when you say that? For me, um, seeing me, seeing 
acknowledging who I am as a whole person, not just a person, not just the parts that attracted me to you, but acknowledging my trauma, um, acknowledging that I still have trauma from my molestation and acknowledging that um, I still have trauma from not knowing who my dad is um, and still being able to love me. Um, I think that that's, I think that people I think that people uh, want want you, but they don't want all of you. And I think seeing me denotes that you see all of me and that you still want to be a part of my life, that you still want to be a part of my story. Um, mm-hmm. And I think that's been conceptualized more in romantic relationships or what have you. Um, I just, I was in a three year relationship. Uh, we were engaged, didn't get, we broke the engagement off. And that was one, that's one of the things that I feel like happened in a relationship. Like you, there was a part of me that you fell in love with, but you couldn't accept all of me. You couldn't accept my whole story. You didn't see my whole story or what happened. Oh, okay. Hold up, hold up, hold up, hold up, hold up, hold up. That's so real because for him saying, you can see all of me. And when you've been with a guy from five years old, when you've been with a guy, when you've been molested from five years old, you're open to sex activities. You're open. You're not shy. You're open. And for him to say that is so powerful because I've been molested so many times, and not even and not even molested been with so many guys before I was 15. And even even when I was 15, I'm open to it because I've been with so many guys. I'm open to whatever you want to do to me. I'm not a top, I'm not a bottom, but I'm a versatile because what I've been through, and if you understand what I've been through, the other guy will understand what I've been through. I've been through so much more than a woman can understand. That's what I've been through. And no one see me. I'm grateful for you seeing my story and say, I didn't need to talk about it. But at the same time, no one see me. No one see what I've been through. Go ahead. You know what's interesting, Toya, is when you when we talk to the women, they kept everything secret because they yeah. felt like nobody was gonna believe them or whatever. Which was pretty much the same with all the women, right? Nobody's gonna believe us or whatever. But with the men, it's like they both said nobody sees me. Like, is, you know what I mean? Like nobody sees me. Mm-hmm. I think that it comes from a place of wanting to be validated by a man. Um, like in my relationships now, I, that's one thing I'm working through with my therapist is that I, I seek validation from my partners. Like I'm a whole ass package. Like I'm, I'm like, I'm like, <laughs> I'm like a whole, like I'm a, like, I'm like, and not even to toot my own horn, horn, but I'm really that guy. Like I'm that nigga. Like, I'm that part, like, that I, part, I that part. A lot in my 35. No, that's years. right, cousin. Go and ahead. I still seek validation, like from 
niggas that can't even like really stand stand beside me. And like, this is not being arrogant. Hold up. I love it. Hold, but it's hold, just, hold, hold, hold on one second, Dennis. Hold um, on, Dennis. It's not even a matter of being arrogant, but it's, it's, it's an emotional thing. Like it's an emotional thing. Like when you don't have your emotional needs met in a healthy way, you seek them. You seek your needs to be out to be met in other ways, or what? And that's in all relationships. That's, that's okay. In all relationships and validation mm-hmm. is one thing that I got in my the relationship that I was molested in, or whatever. That's one of the things I got. I got validation. So when that ended, I was trying to replicate that within my other relationships. Even at thirty five, like I, I going just going through this breakup, I was able, going and being in therapy and counseling. I've been able to acknowledge that a lot of the traits that my previous partner had were traits that my molester had. So being mm. being able to acknowledge and just being aware of what's going on and the parallels between different situations in your life, I think that that's where a lot of my, I don't want to say healing, but a lot of my abilities to cope have come in or what have you. And like I said, I don't honestly, and I'm I'm not claiming this, but I don't think this is something I'll ever be fully healed from. Um, but I am, I'm taking the steps and making the strides that I need to make to be able to cope Can with I it. Can I say one thing? Can I say one thing? Mm-hmm. I've been through a lot. And what what all you said is so, so powerful. Now, let me ask you a question, though. When you, I, I understand that you said that you told your wife when you first when you first got together, you told her about your past and everything. But at the point that you guys got married, was it like you hadn't actually um, like most of the situations that you had been in before then had been like kind of forced upon you except for your cousin. Right. Or had you like started living like a gay lifestyle and then decided to get married? Had you no. had you had you started? A, did you have a gay lifestyle then, or I thought it was just you had been molested and stuff? Am I wrong? You're right. I have never. I have, I have never even before her. I've never lived a gay lifestyle. I tell you what I've been through. Right. Even okay. even, even even me walk, going to the clubs. I have never been with a man besides my family. I have never been with a man, and I told her so what I've been So all of your relationships before your wife was actually molestation, incest, that and part. stuff like that. Okay, that see part. that's that's so. Then after you you got it after your relationship with your wife, um, then you got into the action. You came out the closet basically like this is what I'm gonna do. He turning up. Okay. You need to go here. You need to get another drink. Oh, oh, I'm turning up because it's so much. And you're I right. know. And I one understand. Thing, one, thing, one thing, as as a victim of molestation, one thing that I want to challenge you to. One thing that my friends challenged me to at a very once I got to college and I got you know a solid network of friends, and they got tired of hearing about my. Who's talking? Who's talking? Kiko, Kiko, you can't uh, see nobody. Okay. okay, so Kiko, hold on, hold on, hold on, hold on, hold on, Dennis, hold on. Go ahead, go ahead. Go ahead. Go ahead. Um, so one thing, uh, and I'm thankful for my ne- for my network of friends. I got some amazing friends around me. Um, but one of the things that they challenged me to um uh, was to stop letting my story define who I am. Um, and it took me a while to actually understand what that meant. Um like 
like going, that's my default mechanism to go to why I'm a victim or to go to what happened to me. Like I wouldn't be where I am today if I was still living under the guise of that I was a victim. I had to take my power back from my story. Uh, like I said at the beginning of this podcast, I knew at a very early age that this, this shit wasn't even for me. Like I didn't go through this for me. I went for it, went through it to share with other people who are going through it to get through it, if that makes sense or what have you. But um, mm-hmm. just learning to live outside of that space. And it takes a lot because it defines us. I mean, the, the shit that the, the things that didn't, and I'm sorry, my my ministerial colleagues, I know y'all probably gonna hear this podcast. Please forgive me. I don't cuss all the time. I don't cuss all the time, just sometimes. Um, but just um, just getting into a space to where you're open to heal and you don't want to be a, your story, mm-hmm. um, I think it's very important. Because um, if not, you continue to, like I said, you continue to bleed on people and you get stuck there. But you know what? Speaking as a as a as a female victim. I think that it is uh, the reason why it's different for a man and a woman is because um, like it doesn't I mean, it changed me as a person, but it doesn't like when you are violated, like you like when you are violated as a man, you are really violated. You know what I'm saying? It violates your sexuality. It violates your innocence. It violates. Uh, yeah. it, it does, but but, 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 like, but get this yes. who you are. Like yes, yes. But it changed. That. It literally changed my trajectory of my whole life. Like yes, I, like like it changed yes. the trajectory of my whole life. Yes, like, yes. From the way I love, from the way I interact with my friends, like from the way I interact with myself. Am I enough? Like, is this person gonna leave me? What do I have to do to keep them to stay? Like, am I a man because I even went through this? Like. Nigga, like it's yeah, it's it, it changed it changes a lot. Yeah, I promise you, I ask myself all the time if I hadn't went through this, would I be different? Would I would my insecurities Ooh. about different things like my skin and different things about my weight and would I have a family? Would I have a husband? Would I be so difficult to be in a relationship with? Because I know that I'm not a good girlfriend and I'm just wondering like where did this shit come from? Because I had an example of a man and a, 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 my parents were married for 43 years. My sister been married. Shit. She been married enough for me, you and everybody else. But I can't find like what what did it do? Like, I don't remember my sister ever saying somebody molested her. But and 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 she's had relationships. So I'm like, is that what's wrong with me? That I can't that I can't have a healthy relationship. I feel like I missed out. And I'm telling you, when I'm able to say that name, I want that motherfucker to carry the burden that I had to carry all these years. For real, because I carry the burden, so I want him to share the load. I learned today, I had my therapy session today, so today's been an emotional day. Like, today's been emotional, Mm -hmm. AF. And one of the things that my therapist uh, said to me, what did she say? She's, shit, Tori, goddamn, I had something profound to say. Um, (laughs) You're thick of it. (laughs) um, She told me today, go ahead, talk, talk, it's gonna come back. Well, as you're thinking about it, what I want to tell you both, and I don't know if Dennis, because he's not on our screen no more. I don't know if, if he would have. Hey, Dennis, go ahead. 
But <laughs> oh, that's what she said. Go ahead, Dick. Go ahead. We normally carry other people's shame. Like we <laughs> carry other people's shame. Like when you're carrying this nigga, you carrying this nigga's shame for the shit that he yes. did to you. So right. when yes. you are able to talk, when you are able to share your story in your capacity, you are going to alleviate so much stress, yeah. so much of the burden. Like you carrying this, you didn't do shit wrong. You didn't you do anything right. wrong. Like, and I think that that's where we get caught up in this process of grieving and healing that we did something wrong. Like, yeah, like, you ahead, you hear ahead. some you hear so many people. Like, I hear guys they don't be ashamed or they don't be hesitant to tell you stories when they say, "Well, yeah, when I was when I was uh, seven years old, my babysitter, I was having sex with my babysitter, or when I was uh, thirteen years old, I was having sex with the neighbor down the street." Uh, sir. You were being molested, nigga. Yes. yes, and that's a that's a that's another podcast. That's another one because I mean, if you're in the right situation, you're gonna get your stripes. That's your rights of passage. Yeah, I think if I was thirteen like, and my neighbor down the street, I probably wouldn't have been complaining about it. But. Yeah, that's your yeah, right. But what what did that? How did that change you as a person? Right. You don't know how they because I'm telling you, and I'm gonna say this, and then I'm a. I know that sex being entered into my life at such a young age made me where, yeah, by an adult, it made me where I don't associate sex with emotion. Mm -hmm. I don't correlate the two. Mm -hmm. I can have sex, but I don't have to be emotionally attached to you. Uh, I can have sex uh, with, for just the feeling. And it's crazy because, you know, I meet guys, especially being out on this set, this motorcycle set, I meet them, they be like, man, you know, I give you this and I do this to you. Well, and I be listening like, huh? You, you said, well, come on, give it to me then, nigga. Right. I be saying, listen, you're not going to get me gone over no sex. You'll be, you, because I don't associate sex with an emotion. I can have sex without an emotion. I can get up and leave and don't have no people be like, well, when you you have sex with somebody, you they spirits. Well, that spirits won't go in, into me. I don't know. I, I, I it just don't affect me the same way. Toy. And that's horrible because when I was younger, I was hell on wheels because I had sex for acceptance. So Toy. I have to tell people, I'm sorry, let me just say this one part. Go ahead. I have to tell people all the time when I was younger, let me tell you something. You got the best part of me when I was younger and I didn't know no better, but the person that's standing in front of you right now, you don't know who I am anymore. I'm not that same person. I would never share my body with your ass now because you don't deserve it. But I had to get to that point, okay? Yeah, that that being promiscuous, that shit was real when I was a kid because I was doing it for not for the feeling so much. I was doing it for the acceptance. Well, yeah, because but, I thought that's what all that's all they wanted from you, me was yeah. Well, the body. Mol mo the molestation took you there. Yes, yeah. yes. I want to thank you. It's a good show. I want to thank you, thank you two brothers for sharing your story. Yes, and being open with it and. You know, hopefully down the line and soon or whatever, some different avenues, both of your stories, we can go into a whole other podcast. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. So yes. I would like to have you all back on some Please. different avenues that these that we, you know, came up with in, in, in um, 
in this podcast, but I really want to thank you guys for sharing your story. And I know as men, it's, it's particularly black men sharing your stories like this, you have to be strong to do it. Because yeah. yes. we're so judgmental in our community. Yes. I think you the are. thing that we got are. me past that is I was judged so hard and so heavy, like when this shit first came out. Um, like the amount of anxiety, and I don't even really think I knew then what I was experiencing. Like I have, y'all gotta understand, in high school to be, I have no friends. Like none of the men, none of the guys wanted to hang out with me. Like, like that. That, that messed me up. Like that messed me up. I like none of the guys wanted to hang out with me. Um, so going growing up with the narrative or whatever, like you you learn to roll with it and make it work for you or what have you. And here I am at 35, those same niggas I was pressed to hang out with are still at home in South Carolina with seven, eight kids, you know, eight, not three, four baby mamas or what have you. Like, and I'm just so thankful that I I, I was able to persevere because everybody is not able to. Like people meet different ends to that situation. And if I can help somebody, if I can say something or share something to help somebody, it's always hope on the other side of the of the other side of the storm. It's the Dear Black Folks Podcast.